is where you put your focus. So that's one. Don't swim in the fear and then be surprised that you can't sleep. You know, focus on what's good. Focus on, like, because whenever there is great change, there are also opportunities. If we can stay unstressed and kind of playful almost, then we can spot all these opportunities that otherwise we're blind to. Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone, everyone, everywhere to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. There's never been a better time actually to talk to a human performance coach and somebody who knows all about mind, body, soul connection and how we can invest in ourselves to deal with life, I guess, and the challenges around it. So I've got Sam Kiani. Uh, welcome to the show. Hi. Great to be here, Petra. It's such good timing. I know. I mean, the world is an incredible place at the moment. Yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah, I am now really grateful for having my world turned upside down when I was very little because it meant that I developed a whole lot of skills, which means that this isn't freaking me out so much as it might some other people. I'm actually seeing that quite a lot. Like, I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel, like, remarkably chill yeah. and cool, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which some people might be like, have a reaction, show some fear. Yeah. But I do think it's that development of resilience over time mm. that can allow us to have some perspective, I guess, on what's in our control and what's out of our control right now. Yeah, definitely. I think perspective really helps. But also I think that um, we probably both had to learn like the ability to de-stress ourselves. And, uh, you know, I know I have a really strong toolkit for kind of managing my mind, my thoughts and my reactions. And that means that I tend to stay in a less stressed state, which means that my brain can actually kind of perform better, if yeah, that makes sense. Completely. So, you know, when we're under stress, we tend to, you know, neocortex completely shuts down. And so all of our social interaction becomes very heightened and anxious. Yeah. Um, and so if, you, if you've learned to kind of manage that and developed a bit of muscle around that, you know, you're a definite advantage right now because there's just so much fear. There's so much fear. And I think that's the biggest thing. I put a, a, a post out a couple of weeks ago uh, when this was first kicking off, just I think I, the, the catchphrase was, these are the times we've trained for. But I guess not everyone has. <laughs> yeah. um, but before we dive into your story, because I want to know how you built some of that resilience yourself. Mm. Um, what are some of the ways? Do, what are, what, do you have any top tips for how people can just stay in the moment, I guess, or mm. manage like the anxiety that is just in the, the ether? It's just in our, it, it, it's everywhere. It's in the atmosphere, it seems. Yeah. I think there are there are two two or three things that just really help. And I think they're so simple, people kind of discount them. Sure. Yeah, yeah. it's usually can be, can't it? The first one is we can't control what is going on out there, but we can choose what we focus on. And so if you start your day 
and you are just in listening to the news and you read the paper and then your friends start whatsapping you and then you're on Facebook and all you're doing is marinating yourself in the slipstream of fear, well, of course, you're going to feel terrible, you know? So I think... It's not rocket science, right? No, exactly. To think if you're just filling your mind with everything, that the worst case scenario is on everything. Exactly. Then, of course, you're going to feel, you're going to be affected. Yeah. I mean, our brains are wired for survival. And so we see threats five times more easily than we see good stuff anyway. Yeah. So when we've like 10x'd all the bad stuff, like, of course. So I think, and, it, and sometimes this negativity has a certain pull. So that's that's the art is to just really be like choose where you put your focus. So that's one. Don't swim in the fear and then be surprised that you can't sleep. You know, focus on what's good. Focus on like because whenever there is great change, there are also opportunities. And if we can stay unstressed and kind of playful almost, then we can spot all these opportunities that otherwise we're blind to. You know, and and I want to put that into context because. I realize that some people are immediately sort of worse off than, than others. Mm. They, their businesses may be, may be failing yeah. and, and maybe not even directly affected to the health concern, but to the economy. Right. And, and so business, you know, worried about paying their rent or looking after their kids, like real survival kind of down to the wire stuff. Yeah. But I'd actually even challenge people in those positions yeah. to practice gratitude or to look for the, the opportunity to shift perspective or to learn something, or to connect deeply, or even a business opportunity. It, yeah. it could be any one of those things, because some people might immediately be like, oh, well, th that doesn't apply to me, right. because I've got to pay my rent. Yeah. And there can be opportunity everywhere, can't there? Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It does come from an abundance mindset. Yeah. But before we can get into abundance, it's the other technique of being able to anchor yourself in the now, because yes. you, you can't really think about what you're grateful for or the good stuff if you're caught up in the narrative of the fear that's going on inside your head. And that's where we came into this life with a body and the ability to breathe. And it is amazing how breathing properly and using the breath really changes our state. So even if you now take like 10 deep breaths in through your nose and then out through your mouth, <sighs> you will feel radically different at the end. I mean, and I love the the addition of like we we I'm sure we've talked about it like uh, in with love, out with fear. Yes. Like as you're breathing, to almost have an intention of letting out some of that fear as well. Yeah, because I think the first thing is you have to be able to connect with how you feel. Yeah, in the moment now. In the moment now. Yeah, and I remember. It was quite a journey for me to get there because I think, I mean, it's not even a feature necessarily of adversity, but uh, I think modern life can lead us to be very disconnected from our emotions. It's how we should feel and it's what we think. It's yeah. not what we actually feel. Yeah. And so we can just use the body, uh, sorry, the breath to connect into the body to notice actually how we feel because a lot of how we feel kind of arises in the gut you know, somewhere in the main trunk of our body, our neck, our head, maybe our hands. You and know, and stress it. can build up over time. I mean, I mean we've had trauma and, and things that have been perhaps a little bit more intense, but like you're saying, anyone in city life, we're both in London, right? Yeah. It, can, it, it might not be the first month, the six months, the year, but it might be the decade. 
and that buildup of pollution, high intensity, like I'll be out in the countryside or six months ago, I'd like to say there's been progress um, <laughs> and I'll be rushing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on holiday. I could just be leisurely strolling and I'm still like purpose getting somewhere, yeah. you know, hustle, hustle, yeah, yeah. hustle. And it's just like habit. Yeah. But that, that stress can really build up in our body and create toxicity, right? Like yeah. it can affect both our physical health and of course our mental health. Mm, yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think, you know, look at where we've been over the last 10 years as a society, you know, like with the, the credit crunch. I mean, really since then, everything to do with like, uh, you know, terrorism and the economy, you yeah. know, we've been marinating in this kind of fear zone, know, increasing degree of fear. I completely so, agree. Yeah, I, I think d- since 9-11, there's just been this, high, this heightened paranoia, I guess, about yeah like fear on our shores, fear around every corner, Yeah, you know, and it kind of feels like it's coming to a head in a way. Yeah. I loved if you ever watched like the Game of Thrones. Actually, sorry, it wasn't a Game of Thrones. It was House of Cards. Oh, yeah. And they were, um, you know, it was actually a storyline. Yeah. Where the pol- politicians deliberately chose a strategy of fear politics to control the population. And that's the reality of what we've been in. I mean, and we could just sidestep into conspiracy theories because I've got a few myself, right? (laughs) (laughs) But the point is we have a choice, right? We have a choice where we, whether we choose to kind of fall into this negative thinking. Yes. If we believe everything that's being told to us as well, because there's often context, politics, things that we know nothing about, right? And that there's sometimes, you're saying there's sometimes like a purpose within politicians or behind the scenes to be like, if the masses are afraid, then we can side sweep this in or do, you know, I feel like there's an agenda, but that's obviously a hangover from my past as well. (laughs) So let's talk about how we've trained. So how have you built the, the resilience that I guess allows you to tackle life now and of course these are specific circumstances but I just mean life like you you've been running your own uh, projects and doing amazing work and really thriving in a beautiful home with beautiful husband and wonderful dog and just like lovely yoga classes and just like the perfect life like on the surface I'm just like Sam life's perfect (laughs) but I know a little bit and and you've you've certainly been on a growth journey shall we say I mean I feel like this is kind of like a you know maybe Sam 3.0 yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and and the thing is I think I what I've really come to realize now is that you know there's no such thing as adversity olympics you know the the trauma that might have happened to me or you mm. or someone else mm-hmm. there's there's no grading inside our bodies yes you know it's how it's the meaning we make from the events that happen and so you know honestly somebody who you know was locked out for a weekend could feel the same kind of degree as trauma that I did from you know much more serious things sure so I really like to think as of the like the learnings that I've had kind of codifying them into this approach of how we can really build a happy like how to be human almost you know I think Ruby Wax like she stole the title of my future book (laughs) what (laughs) but um because these kind of apply to all of us you know Mm. there's a the reason I, I still teach yoga, you know, even though I do loads of other things, is because it's such a good grounding in the joining of the physical body with our less physical parts, let's say. And we need our bodies, our physical bodies are like a pet. You know, we have to 
exercise and eat good food and consider what we consume, you know, to be able to be physically well. And then there's such a strong link with our emotions. Mm. Um, You know, if we stay in, I think a lot of people are finding this now, right, where we're all self-isolating at home and then we sit in front of a computer for Mm. six hours Mm -hmm. and then we start to feel ill. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that because our bodies weren't made for that. Yeah. So it's remembering that, imagine your body's like a dog. I feel like having a dog radically changed my perspective yeah. and understanding of life because you see it in his behaviour, you know, if you feed him bad food. So, like, just don't do that. Yeah, and I've, and, and I've got kids, so I don't have a dog, but I've got teenagers and yeah. I can definitely see the cause and effect. It's like a quicker yeah. loop the younger they are. Yes. So from toddlers to, you know, as they, as they grow up, it's like the loop takes longer, yeah. you know, um, and then it just kind of, we ignore it for a while until we're in our 40s, 50s and we start getting physical yeah. health issues. Yeah. But, but essentially what you're saying is we need to invest yeah. in ourselves in training the mind, connecting to something wider than, than either our physical bodies or our breath, but doing all of those things mm-hmm. in order to maximize our potential. Yeah, because I think the reason we often think it's aging, that yes. we decline. It's our excuse, isn't 40. it? It's like, oh, you know, the bag starts to go. Yeah. And, you know, and actually it isn't anything to do with actual aging, like aging is a disease. It's you've been running those patterns yeah for so long for so long I mean let's assume that you know you came through childhood okay and so you became kind of independent around 20 ish by the time you're 40 you've been repeating whatever pattern you started around 20 for 20 years so that's the that's the uh the wear and tear on your body basically your life choices yeah and your mind it yeah, can be. Ex- absolutely. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. It's like body is so linked to emotion, so linked to mind. And then it's really where it comes into our ability to really to like receive love. Whew. Because mm-hmm. as we go through life, you know, I think when we're young, we think that life is going to play out in a certain way. And as we get older, I mean, now our 40 year old selves, we know that that's a joke, right? Because it, yeah, yeah. there is, oh, you know, my. life has other plans for us. Yes, absolutely. But every little thing that happens, not quite as we expect it, it almost makes a little barrier inside mm. ourselves where we start to be disappointed in ourselves. Yeah. We start to judge ourselves. And so that actually blocks us from being able to receive love from other people generally because people might say something or do something that we then interpret that they don't accept us. And so this is a really big thing for me, I think is just um, like practices that I've learned that help you let love in. I mean, and that's so profound. Mm. I had therapy this morning, (laughs) literally. Mm. I was talking about this very thing. Really? This very thing, oh, wow. um, because as you know, because you met my boyfriend, we're we've been in a relationship for eight months now. Right. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, thank big. you. Yes, it is actually. <laughs> um, but I was talking about the push pull that I experience, which is lean in, step out, lean in, step out, and it's like what you're describing that barrier. I get reminded. I go, oh, lean in. You know, and possibly because I've done some of these practices to allow, give myself permission to, um, and then I'll kind of step back. And my coping strategy in crisis Mm. is very much, bearing in mind, I moved every year of my life. There was always a leave everything behind and start fresh. Mm -hmm. And so there was almost this like, you know, cult excitement about like the next step, like move move forward, fresh beginnings, blah, 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 nothing else matters, you know? 
And so almost when there's a sm- even a slight problem or my interpretation of not being worthy of love or not receiving love, yeah. my brain can quite quickly just go, well, fine then. I'll just move on. <laughs> yeah. I'll just maximize my potential over there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> which has which can look really good for a career. Yeah. Because I keep maximizing my potential, yeah. but maybe less useful in that well-rounded human yeah. that's like able to sit and receive love. And I don't just mean from a romantic partner, but in all aspects, right? Yeah. I mean, I I, I think uh, my perspective on this is that like I when I grew up, like m- my mum really struggled with alcohol and she was a really angry person and she had like you could see that she was so tender and sensitive inside but she had like proper armored up on the outside and she was like a violent rageful like crazy lady basically bless her and you know I love her to bits but that's basically the situation yeah 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 and I could see I mean she was like the wounded lion you know she was going around taking all her anger out on everyone around her with this story running of woe is me no one loves me yeah and it was just so tragic because even as a little kid I could see how much love there was around her Mm. but genuinely she couldn't feel any of it and she couldn't feel any of it because inside she had so much anger really about herself so um it really is a, a self-harming behavior often it is yeah alcohol addiction uh, and I, it's so funny um i relate to it so much because i was an alcohol addicted parent when my children mm. were much younger but i i remember uh going to parties gatherings whatever and just being bitter and just mm. vitriolic bullshit coming out of my mouth about how i was such a victim and however how hard everything was mm. and that idea of the sensitivity on the inside but the armored up anger mm. on the outside. I mean, addiction's a, uh, just a horrific beast that, that kind of allows you to believe mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing. So as a child in that environment, mm-hmm. right, from a young age, right? So I, I know you've got a younger sibling, but yeah. quite a bit younger, right? Yeah. What was that like just as a kid being within that environment that was quite angry and aggressive? Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny because as a kid, I just had this really magical thinking that I I constructed a reality where I believed it was a test. And I what? Was Wait, like, back then? Seriously, back then. When you were so young? Yeah, I used to have these like really intense dreams. Mm. And I remember getting t- taken to a psychologist because I used to talk about these dreams. You know, my mum was like, wicked crazy. Really quite disturbed. <laughs> um, but I just had, I just had, and maybe I have, a, a, you know, a really good imagination. And so I was like, you know, because it's a fairy tale, isn't it? It's like the princess who, you know, oh, has you the, were the evil damsel in distress step, you know, parents. Yes. And it's like it's a test to build character, and my real parents will come and get me, you know, which is, which is cute when you're little, but having that, I will get rescued. Mm. You know, that can. That'll mess a few that kind things of up. Trip me up a little bit when I was older. But, but at the um, time, it sounds like a beautiful coping strategy of a really young girl. Yeah. To be like, I can, I can get through a test because at some point this will sh- shift. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mm. But I think what I've learned as well is that, um, and it's it's funny actually talking to you about this as a mm. parent, mm-hmm. and I'm not suggesting that 
yeah, I mean, because there is... Go ahead and suggest. Well, what I was going to say (laughs) is that just like you sorted yourself out and you've Mm. resolved things and you've built such a great life in that you are really emotionally connected and you're open about your struggles. Yeah. And I don't think it's realistic that children grow up, you know, in a family where there are no struggles. Like that's that's not real. That's true. What I think, I mean, this is my kind of my adult perspective on children, but it's, you know, what I feel like I had to learn is how to deal with emotions Mm. because, you know, emotions, you know what it's like. People drink to squash emotions they can't deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, emotions weren't acknowledged in our house at all. So if you're now... Or if you sort yourself out and then you have this rich dialogue around emotions, you're probably better setting your kids up, you know, for life, to be honest. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but there is a pathology around, is, pathology might not be the right word, but there's some great books around adult children of alcoholic parents. And I think some of the coping mechanisms that we have, it is just like literally a survival pattern. And... Um, it's quite funny because, you know, there is some advantage in that specific adversity in that, and it's probably very similar to the cult, right? Because hypervigilance. Totally. Hyper-responsibility. Yeah. You know, as in feeling that you're walking on eggshells. Yeah. That you Follow are responsible for everything. Mm. Everything bad anyway. Well, just like like everything, you know, whether the sun will rise, you have to do something to make that happen, you know. It's and a lot if of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this strategy, like you said, following the rules. Mm. If I'm perfect, nothing bad will happen. Yeah. And there can sometimes be uh, almost a double life that emerges of this perfection, mm. but, but n- nobody can be perfect, genuinely. Yeah. And so that emotion has to come out somewhere and often it can come out in sort of negative ways. How did it come out for you? How did you continue to, I guess, survive that? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, when I was very young, it, it, you know, it only manifested in how I felt. But because I left home when I was 14, really, I think that how that played out in my life, the positive side was actually that combination of perfectionism, the power of invisibility, hyper vigilance yeah. and hyper responsibility yeah. makes for really good work ethic. Yeah, yeah. Makes you somewhat workaholic yeah, yeah. and can really get you places really quickly. Yes. So I think that um, it really helped me in that regard. Where it wasn't so helpful yeah. is, of course, I didn't really develop any emotional awareness because, no. you know, I'm still kind of coping with this house of cards that I'm building. Yeah. You know, this, in essence, kind of like this this armor perfection success um and you were quite you were doing science you you were quite smart like so in school you were showing up weren't you yeah and and um you were you found solace in that in a way didn't you yeah I mean I'm quite lucky because like you you know um I'm blessed with having a quick mind and I could watch by doing so yeah at school I was sort of just trying to be trying to you know obviously trying to be perfect but part of that's hypervigilance I can like I'll learn better through observing someone do it and I've got it yeah 
than through, well, okay, I can learn through books now, but at the time yeah. it was very much watch and learn, watch, watch and learn. learn watch but you learn. get that if, you know, a violent drunk mother yeah. is going to smack you over the head if you don't watch and learn. <laughs> Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Then that's you're, true. Yeah. But also I was a bit of a book nerd. So like I've been like a science nerd right from the off, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, just making the jump from leaving school, working through school to the Where end did of you go hours. at 14? Uh, so basically... And why? What, what came to... Why did it come to a head? Yeah, well, this is where actually, like, the adversity part of our story when we are talking now about people's businesses yeah. being on the line. and Yeah. So I left home the day that I left home because I'd done this kind of running away a little bit and coming back, but... I left home that night because my mum basically was hellbent on killing me. And it was all very emotional, very violent. And um, so I literally sort of, you know, ran for my life. And I was hiding in a bus stop trying to figure out what to do next. Where do I go? What do I do? Because, of course, you know, I, can't, I, can't, I haven't really admitted to anybody really what's, what's no, going on. right. But just as I kind of cut, become visible out of the bus stop, a car pulls up outside because it's traffic lights. And wouldn't you know it, I knew the person in the car. Okay. I mean, this is so random. Spooky. Yeah. She was like 25 miles outside of her normal, normal route. route. And so it was just kind of coincidence. So she arranged for me to be um, kind of fostered in a in a family, um, which on one hand was great, but I went from being in this freaky, weird family where I was obsessed with trying to figure out what normal was into a normal family, but that was a very boisterous three children family. And I had no idea which way was up. Of course. Basically. Very confusing. How do you fit into that environment when all you've learned is to be hypervigilant? Yeah. So I think that's where I went through like my listening to death metal very loudly stage. Oh, but that's a great expression for, um, you know, your own rage or not quite knowing what you felt. Exactly. But then um, basically as soon as I, um, as soon as I finished my A-levels, that's when I started looking for work. And then I was able to get housing benefit and and so I lived on my own. And that was really where all my kind of smarts kicked in. And um, this I would say is like Sam 2.0 because I've left there's been a definite break from, you know, the scary start in Chaos. life. And now it's just, right, let's... There's more in your control now. the perfect life, yeah. Right, okay, but you got this pressure to build the perfect life, yeah. uh, even though you're uh, essentially looking after yourself now, Yeah. right? That's Funding right. yourself and, yeah. That's, that's right. And it's, I mean, I guess it's a lot of responsibility on, you know, young shoulders. And I remember thinking, you know, it's sink or swim. You didn't have a choice. And this is what's interesting about building resilience and human potential is that sometimes when your back's to the wall and there's no other way or there feels like there's no other way, sink or swim. Like I quit my job at one point and was like, I got to make this work or not, you know? Um, And and then you you find those opportunities. You you, Mm -hmm. you learn to look for things differently. Yes. um, And you sort of have to. And in your case, you're very food on your table and everything is down to you working. Yeah. And it was just, this is what I mean about staying open. Because I think because I'd had this kind of narrow start in life, I didn't have certain cognitive biases, as in that certain things might not be possible, you know. And 
when your back is against the wall and you can't afford really to make ends meet, you're going to hustle for opportunities. And it meant that I went from having a job that I loved in a lab and industrial plant in East London that just didn't pay enough money but gave me bundles of like acceptance and mm. a social circle and you know friends and everything like that yeah into a job that I hated but that catapulted me funnily enough out of science into computing and into banking and that changed my fortunes overnight really and I think that what I learned through through that phase is that if you're focused on what you want instead of what you don't want naturally yes opportunities will unfold that get you there but what we tend to do is we focus on what we don't want yes and we tend to moan about it yes. and so all we get is more of that yes so before and then it's like why me and we can reinforce this narrative that we had a bad start in life and exactly. it just keeps coming exactly yeah and now i didn't even know about law of attraction or manifestation manifestations no. or big words mood boards or anything yes. like that but it is this process of um even when you look at big social change, like, for example, the change in single-use plastics, you know, someone dreamt that first. Mm. You know, there was this collective narrative around, oh, we have to cut our single-use plastic. And then yeah. all of a sudden, boom, there was that big change. And I think it's like that also in our life. We have to dream it to then be able to talk about it. And that's when I realised just how incredible you can feel if you just look after this basic mechanical body that we have, you know, just fuel it right and you feel so much better. You know, yeah, things that yeah. you think are part of your personality are actually just in your biology. So fix your biology and actually, you know, you have an uplift in your personality. And, and so I know, of course, the present you, which is uh, has the yoga, you've got the kind of spiritual side, the connection, the coaching, um, all of the, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So you're starting with that physical element of what I put, what you put in your body, which really mm-hmm. should be the foundation one, right? Yeah. How did that then lead to that wider journey, I guess, of, mm-hmm. of discovering yourself through, you know, something else other than work I want to say yeah or maybe through work as well (laughs) yeah well I think that um I mean it's interesting now because our cultural frame of reference now is like you know lululemon yoga with adrienne yeah yeah. yoga is everywhere yes 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 yes. and also clean eating is everywhere I mean this is back you know more than 20 years ago when you know there weren't very many places you could do yoga no not at all and I think I'm really lucky in that again I mean I just happened to come across uh two amazing yoga teachers who taught yoga for self-realization not you know yoga for handstands and a perky butt you know what I mean so it was very much looking into and yoga it's not I mean yes it has this spiritual dimension but actually it has a very practical yes almost like um you know, cognitive behavioural therapy angle, which is just understanding the mechanics of being human, understanding what it is to be human, you know, the common things that we struggle with. So the things that we think are our internal shame, it's just part of being, you know, human. Well, it is. And I remember very much, I've done yoga off and on from a like, let me stretch and Mm. oh, let me get my core right. And from those sorts of perky butt perspectives, let's be honest. But also, but never from like a, 
how do I teach my soul and my, my mm. body to be grounded? And it felt like the meditation bit was separate from me for some reason. Mm. But I remember when, I, when we first met, so when I first reached out to you, mm -hmm. uh, this is a little while ago now, and I was stressed. I'd, I'd been just started my business. Um, I felt very lonely and isolated in the world of entrepreneurialism. Mm. I felt that my hustle, which, I'd, which had gotten me so far, right, through so many things, mm. the same stuff that I'd done before that used to be so effective wasn't working anymore. Right. And it was this weird kind of scrambling for like some, some catch hold, like something to hold on to mm -hmm. in order to go, fuck, I realize I need to do, if I want to get to the next level, whatever that is, achievement, whatever, I, mean, I need some new skills. Yeah. And I didn't have all the biohacking knowledge other than, yes, of course, eat better. And, you know, but, but you, you, it goes so, so deep. Um, and I remember my first message to you was quite desperate and pathetic maybe <laughs> judge myself <laughs> I was like Sam you're the local yoga teacher because <laughs> you're down the road from me um and I was like my body is so stressed I can't remember I'm gonna have to find this because it, it was good yeah uh, I think I was I, it was just like city burnout like I, yeah, I was just really 100%. intense and I just didn't know how to release it I remember your first class very much focusing on breath and I remember we did a breathing thing and you came around to people and put your hand on a rib cage mm. to, to just help highlight where it should be expanding. Yes. And that touch connected to the breath. Yeah. Like I was just emotional mm. and I'm just on a yoga class. <laughs> yeah. That's how stressed I was. Yeah. Um, but it really started me like within, within our friendship and within my own learning and, and developing, understanding the actual scope. Yeah of what yoga as well as these other things could actually allow me to move from the life that you described earlier, which is push, 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 too much grit. I think yeah, you said yeah, yeah. push, push, push. And I'm still learning. What is the other way of being? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I feel like you've given me such a perfect jump point to say, yeah, and this is what I do as a coach Yeah, yeah. because we forget who we are, you know? And mm -hmm. I think I help people that are like you, that know you have so much more, yeah. but you just can't access it. Yeah. And as we, because it's interesting, as we evolve and we grow from one level to another, there is a, there needs to be a falling away or is there is this natural falling away of concepts in the mind that enable us to grow beyond because over time, our the accumulation of wisdom and experience, this does expand our actual consciousness. I mean, that's what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we do have to, just like you're a, when you're a child, uh, to be able to walk, you have to let go of crawling and you have to venture into that scary new way of moving. We have to continue to do this through our life. Why is it so counterintuitive or scary to let go? You know, I think that it's just the way that we have collectively constructed modern life. Yeah. Because something that is just so natural to us, we've built so much, so much sort of story around almost. Mm. And I think that's the thing. We've forgotten who we really are. And we, we, it's incredible. All the clients I work with, and bearing in mind, I think, you know, I'm very authentic, you know, in the, I've been through exactly this journey myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... You had a business fail. 
Yeah, exactly. You've done the workaholic thing. A hundred percent. And completely know? crashed out and your identity's locked into all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. hundred percent. And I feel like, you know, having hustled, 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 it's very relevant with where we are today because, you know, my business was actually on a fantastic growth trajectory, but then the commercial environment really changed around me. Which you can't plan for or no. control. And let's be real, as entrepreneurs, this is exactly the truth of it. Whatever your business is, mm. is only a tenth of what it is to run a business. Because what it takes to be successful is to stay open and nimble and yeah. as, this, as the environment changes just to adapt. And make no mistake, that is incredibly difficult because we get fixed on a vision of yeah. how things need to be. That's very true. And and what happens over time is that with the grit and with the resilience, we just get degraded over time and our capacity for good decision-making becomes reduced. So we start making worse decisions, which then... Because we get stuck in habit, yeah. our habit loop of what we think is a good decision exactly. that isn't actually open exactly. to the changing times. And if we're not letting go, it's so powerful what you're saying. If we're not... If you don't have the ability to let go of the old, it's like there's no bandwidth for the new. Exactly. But letting go conjures up grief. Yeah. Uh, the idea that letting go might be something sad or that a loss, losing yeah. something is sort of the story that it conjures up, right? Yeah. And honestly, I don't, I mean, I remember, you know, exploring this whole concept of letting go for years because how on earth do you let go of something? I'm like, what is the three-step plan? And I think, um, you know, I mean, this sounds kind of like really hokey, but... There are lots of techniques out there and you have to do them all and keep doing them from writing the bad stuff down. It's a good one. You know, and burning it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Dark, but okay. Yeah, just, you <laughs> no, know, like it. releasing it, you know, yeah, yeah. burning it and releasing it. Having you know? a metaphor in front of you. Exactly. To release the baggage, the emotional stuff so it feels real. Exactly. And also in connection. I mean, the answer to almost all of our life challenges are very simple. Drink more water, exercise more, eat broccoli, connect with other people, connect to something else that's bigger than yourself. Yeah, don't be basically a dick. your life is gonna <laughs> is gonna be great. Yeah. But you know, the more that we connect and we're real with other people, I mean, here's me uh, running this business that's about well being because I saw how everyone around me was only eighty percent well, and yeah. I'm way more resilient, way more healthy, way more happy. And so I, I birthed this business in the city. Of, and you uh, left of banking, world. didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I did. Yep. Yeah, I left the, the world of banking into uh, setting up this business. And, um, you know, it was the perfect life on the outside. But having to maintain that and not being able to be real about the stress that I was under. More imposter syndrome. That's what basically um, undid me, I think. Because all at the same time, my dad got motor neuron disease and died. My best friend was from New Zealand and she decided that she just couldn't stay in the UK anymore and she went back home. I was married at the time and that just broke down very rapidly when everything started to become very difficult. And we broke up, which meant that I couldn't afford to stay. I mean, I had nowhere to live because we had to rent the place out because I couldn't afford to pay it myself. And then the business hit trouble because, you know, like I said, the... So the um, perfect storm of... Exactly. Horribleness. So for those that are going through really tough times now because of, you know, this virus and everything that's happening in the economy because of it, just to reassure you that 
it doesn't have to end in, you know, because I think I came very close to kind of ending it all. And I realised. Do you mean taking your life? Yeah, taking Like you were life. like, fuck this, I, I can't like, do it. I'm so ashamed. I can't, right. I can't face anyone in the street that I have, you know, created, you know, that I said that I was going to create this business and look, it hasn't worked, that I said I was going to stay. So like your whole identity. And yeah. It hasn't worked. But this is the thing. We have this opportunity to always begin again and start over. And I think Go ahead. I, I could just see that I pushed and pushed and pushed to try and keep the status quo. And if only earlier down the line, I've been real, been real, mm. you know, real with myself about how I was feeling, real with other people. There's there's opportunity in that. So uh, you're in this beautiful hindsight place, right? Where you're like, my, everything crashed to the yeah. point that you're like, this could be it. I don't want to do life. Like that's low, low rock bottom stuff, right? Total rock bottom. And now in hindsight, you can be like, there's opportunity. And and I guess you've built the resilience because you, through the experience, you've found opportunity. And now with the virus and stuff, you're a bit more robust and going, well, life happens and, mm-hmm. and we'll find the opportunity. Yeah. But just talk me through that little middle bit. So you're in rock bottom. What do you do? How do you get to the little hopeful place? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I properly went pop. So I had. You went dark for a while. Yeah. I had like a, I actually had like a nervous breakdown. Okay. And how it manifested is like, I literally could not physically move. I could not make a decision. Oh, you're frozen in fear. Literally, I literally become frozen. Just in a state of panic. And yeah, and I'm just like panic, panic, panic. And because of all the stress. The build up. Yeah. Mm. You know, because, you know, things have been difficult for like 18 months or something. I'd had, um, I'd been prescribed uh, antidepressants by the doctor because I'd been having panic attacks. Sure. This is the thing about panic attacks and depression is that they're a message from our body. Panic attack is like. Totally overwhelmed by your body going, listen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I and I just go, shut up, I'm working. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We must keep going, we must keep going, medicate it, medicate it. Yeah, numb it out. Let's not listen. Let's do anything we can to avoid listening to it. Make it something wrong with us. Yeah. That we need to fix so we can keep living exactly the same lifestyle. Exactly. Humans are crazy. Exactly. And (laughs) I think I just got to that phase where like now it's it's not something someone else has done it's something i have done i am totally responsible for everything that's happened and you know it's it's all gone wrong and i remember like this internal feeling of like just being this disgusting revolting thing you know and just having this veneer on the outside of acceptability and so and that's deep really deep. right from childhood you know an alcohol addicted parent would put yeah. that on you you would you know yeah. yeah and also just all the accumulation of course of all the and i'm making little bunny ears you know of mistakes sure and i just i really got stuck around decisions and mistakes and then, and it took me, I think. Well, about, it's like you need to trust yourself again. If oh. you've, in a way, feel like you've fucked up the business, the marriage, the different things, then you'll be like, oh, can I even trust myself to make yeah. a decision? And I think it was a real journey. What I really recognized at the time 
was, I remember talking to friends of mine, you know, in the bar, drinking too many Yes, drinks. of course. <laughs> but, you know, it, it just, it felt like waking up. You know, in the Matrix, mm. when they pulled the tube out of Ooh. Neo's mouth yes. and all the slime. Yeah. That is what it felt like. It felt like then in my early 30s that I was being birthed into the real world. Wow. It's like you're no longer in the Matrix. You are now in the real world. And I want to pot, like capture that, freeze frame it, because the whole premise of this podcast is thinking about those rock bottom catalyst moments. Yeah. That's the opportunity. Regardless of if you go on to do a successful business or whatever life turns out to be, none of that matters. Think about the matrix. None of your successful banking, whatever, none of it matters anymore when you're on a quest for consciousness, human performance, growth, learning, energy, like that yeah. wider metaphysical thing that isn't just about how long do I keep my job and how much money do I earn? Right. It, it shifts everything. Right. Because I really believe that, you know, without getting too deep into the, um, you know, the the facts that kind of back up this theory. Maybe we put them in the show notes. Yeah, let's do it. But, you know, we're not, we're, you know, we are consciousness seeking expansion. And so our life is so much more than the physical. You know, it's not about shopping. So deep. It's about mm -hmm. experience, mm -hmm. you know. And connection. it's about connection and mm -hmm. emotion. And it's all the deliciousness and the difficulty of being human that we kind of scoop back into the kind of the collective consciousness you know that's kind of like my take on things but so I'm really grateful in a way but I maybe it's a story I'm making up in hindsight but like you know because I stayed so rigid you know life had to absolutely kick me upside the head and take everything away to know, wake you up to wake me up and I feel that you know there are ways that we can evolve without having to hit rock bottom you know and it's all connected to recognizing how we feel in the moment I don't want to make everything about emotional mastery but I mean it's that a, is a large yeah, part yeah that's it. the uniqueness of being human yeah. Is, is the emotional component. It allows us to have deeper connection, yeah. to understand ourselves. And yeah. uh, it's, it's a whole different language, isn't it? The feeling yeah. emotional language than the cognitive analytical yeah, exactly. language. So I feel like from that first stage of my life, Sam 1.0, I took away, you know, this understanding of not being a victim and of understanding about, um, you know, negativity. Like yeah. if all you ever do is moan, all you're going to get is things to moan about. From this second phase of my life, I think I really, I just became so conscious of like relationship skills, communication, mm -hmm. and really self-acceptance. Because, you know, being able to look yourself in the eye. Um, I feel like that one comes first. It, it, I mean, it's a it journey. It does. It really does. But yeah. you need, I feel like you need self-acceptance to build those relationships. Exactly. It's not linear and they're usually being learned at the same time in different 100%. ways. But um, yeah, that whole you got to love yourself in order to then accept love, Back circling yeah. back to that. Mm. Exactly. And, um, and also, of course, of like how you even rebuild, uh, you know, trust in yourself. Mm. You know, a lot is, is spoken about, about... Um, low self-esteem but when you have when it's not that you have low self-esteem but you actively hate yourself yeah how do you dig yourself out of self-hate how do you build self-esteem how you build confidence 
what imposter syndrome is, what fear is. Um, you know, that's why I feel like I have such a comprehensive approach to the coaching work I do because so much of what I went through, although it was a bit of an extreme example, everyone struggles with a component of it. For sure. Yeah, at least one or two of those things. For sure. And even if you get the, I mean, I work with a lot of senior leaders, C-suite, senior MDs, uh, EDs. Yeah. And whenever you see any kind of arrogance, any kind of strong language, table thumping, you know, armoured up behaviour, it is always from a point of vulnerability inside the person where they're basically armouring up. And it usually... Pushing back to protect themselves exactly yeah and so even for the highest flyers you know think about you Petra it's for you to unleash that next level you don't need your foot on the gas anymore what you need to do I don't mean this like you yeah I mean what we need to do is take our foot off the brake because so many people are driving with their foot Mm, on the accelerator and the brake for sure and so it's just all these little slow releasing of the break which is working on self-acceptance working on forgiveness and it's fear really to keep that break down yeah you know uh, am I worthy can I get to this next level and it it is um making it harder I guess at the end of the day completely um now I saw you were on stage I saw you on Instagram like (laughs) recently you're like stage man they're like there's audiences there are people everywhere yeah um and so the transition is huge from this person who's like rock bottom there's no point and you're saying that there are ways to simply build and evolve confidence Mm -hmm. um becoming the person that you need to be I don't know, what's one or two ways that allow you, that, that a person can do, kind of build their confidence to step into, to get on stage next week? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or, or in five years. <laughs> well, well, I think the thing is, there's, you have to start from a foundation of self-awareness. Yeah. And it's amazing how just committing to a regular journaling practice, that you review. I mean, the amount of times I journaled but never read back anything, and it is actually reflecting on what you've written, that can be so helpful in revealing... Learning about yourself. Yeah, patterns. Yeah. Confidence specifically. So the reason I say about self-awareness is because there's a couple of components to being able to get on stage. One is specifically around confidence is you get confident by doing I mean, right? There's no other way. You can't just learn the theory of confidence. But again, it's counterintuitive because we think we can do something to get confident and then do the thing. Nope. And you only build confidence by doing the thing. Messing up. Being able to um, objectively review what did you do well? What might you change next time? Without self-hatred. Yep. Mm -hmm. Without self-hatred. Banking that in and kind of growing, evolving forward. Yeah. But the other component is what is beyond confidence which I see as being a more mechanical thing like what is actually stopping you from opening your mouth because sometimes it can be you know that nasty voice in your head fear Um, of judgment yeah fear of judgment sometimes it can be imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough Mm -hmm. but it can also be like who do you think you are yeah to stand up yeah and speak and with each of these things when you go into those, like when you really listen to the voice, who do you think you are? Because that's what I realised was holding me back. Mm. And then I go into that, who do you think, whose voice is that? Mm-hmm. And 
okay, I think it comes from certain relatives because I have a really angry, horrible granddad. No wonder my mum had issues. Right. So deep conditioning of your environment. Exactly. Affect it, is, is informing those voices in your head. Yeah. And then I realised that this, who do you think you are, is that in our, in our family, if you have ever stepped one foot out of line and your life hasn't been perfect, you don't have a right to speak on anything. It's, and it's, it's amazing that, to think that that belief system would exist. And that's obviously what my mum grew up in. So no wonder she ended up, you know, being, having, you know, the coping strategies that she did. You know, I really feel compassion for her around that. But um, and that's the self-awareness piece. It is the self-awareness piece. It's like if you can know yourself and your, the audience's story is going to be different than your story and my story is different. Yeah. But we all have belief systems, don't we? Yeah. That inform those little voices in our head. That's right. And it's, it's pretty powerful when we realize we don't actually have to believe the voices in our head. Exactly. So people don't know that. Yeah. I'm like, that doesn't mean they're right just because they sound convincing. <laughs> That's right. And that is a really good point, I think, because um, to any thought you keep thinking, you have to ask yourself, is this true? Yes. And then if you think it's true, actually collate hard evidence to back that up. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself, what is the opposite was true. Love that. And then if that is true, what is the evidence for that? And it's really interesting because, you know, we can go around with these stories inside our head, like, what is me? I'm Never this, questioning them. And then when you look at the evidence, there's way more evidence that the opposite is true. And so then you really have the choice. Do you want to keep beating yourself up and feeling bad? Or do you want to just let go of that thing? and train yourself to think the other thought, you know? Yeah, and, and what I'm hearing is that everything is in our power as far as how we can train our mind to think, or if the thought still comes in, as it often does in meditation, the thought might still be there. It's uh, changing your relationship to it, right? Yeah. And being like, well, you, you are not my master. I am in charge, you yeah. know? Or all of consciousnesses, if we want to go <laughs> that way, right? Yeah. Um, but it radically alters our whole experience of the world. Mm, it does. Because like, like you said, in this time of like the virus and things going on, we, we're just like chatting pretty chilled. We're like, hey, how's this? How's that? You know, whereas other people I'm chatting to, like you can immediately feel yeah. the energy being heightened, hypervigilant um, awareness and perpetuating fear through thought processes. Yeah, 100%. Because I think the this uh, mechanic of thinking plus emotions is there to to keep us alive but it's but I feel, but, but we're I, in a different world now yeah but yeah. I feel like there's no like it I don't know if I'm romanticizing the past but I mean some of the Tibetan like I really love like Tibetan mm. Buddhism and I think mm. they were like the original neuroscientists before fMRI yep. scanners existed yeah, yeah, yeah. they seem to know more about consciousness and connecting you know, into your body emotional state yeah. yeah and just all these layers of consciousness and the struggles of being human um that is some of those texts are like 4000 years old you know and this this wisdom has existed but the you know, if you're in the slipstream of just this superficial modern life, you know, you just get caught up in the lie. You know, you get caught up in the lie that eating fast food is okay for you and that buying stuff is the answer and that, you know, everything you read in the paper is true. You know, that is, 
that is just a recipe for angst and for a really unhappy life. And you surround yourself with the people that will reinforce that thinking. Yeah. So that your matrix, your loop uh, reinforces that yeah. you must be right and attach yourself into that yeah. narrative, right? Which yeah. ultimately is coming out in people's physical health. And the, I mean, mental health conditions are absolutely on the rise. Right. And if there was any opportunity within this very tricky, scary time, yeah. one that I'm hoping and I, I'm, you know, is like questioning our consumerism, mm. you know, and actually rem reminding ourselves about what's important, right. which are all the things that you said, openness, connection, yeah. uh, responsibility, um, community, all of those things. Mm. And that we actually don't have to live our lives this way. Yeah. We're just on this strange roller coaster that just keeps going round and round and round and round, right? And I think it, we only do that because somehow we are mistaken into thinking that we are, that we'll live forever. And I Funny think, that. Mm. I think one of the meditation practices, which sounds really morbid, uh, but Sam Harris talked about it on his podcast, is, um, is the meditation on death. Yep. And I feel like um, death is like something that's greatly feared in our Western society and is almost kind of taboo in a way. And I love that, um, you know, my husband's family are from Pakistan and death is handled so differently there. Is it? Yeah. I mean, when someone dies, they get washed and laid on a bed. And I mean, like very rapidly. And then, first of all, the body will be taken to, you know, the house or, or all the men from you know, his relatives from the village will basically go and they will pay respects and they'll all cry and wail collectively. You know, there is this collective outpouring of grief and they actually, they actually sit with the body. And then it will come over to the women's side and the women will do the same thing. And part of it is genuine crying, but there's also this kind of wailing that's almost Cathartic. ceremonial. It's like, yeah. Oh. but it's the releasing of grief from the body Trauma. yeah 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 and also giving yourself space and time to sit with the yeah. transition and to really realize that that person has died and so I mean we could get diverted into talking about death but my point is linked to what we were talking about is that if we understand that this life is finite which more people of us are this life mm. like do you want to sit and zone out on endless Netflix and just shopping online endlessly? You know, there is a there is a bigger picture and we need to understand that every day matters. Oh, Sam. Yeah. Not, not in a grit way, like because I can feel it, you know, like yeah, yeah. my my oh, you know, my passion coming in, but it's but it really matters. You know, how you feel every day matters. But having and and I maybe it's retranslating grit because our grit is hustle and is drive. I guess grit can also be like trusting that we can let go and, mm -hmm. and trusting ourselves that we can sit with whatever happens yeah. and give ourselves space and time to appreciate. Like you say, we only have one life. Yeah. How do we truly sit and know that this is just a, a kind of a speck in the whole universal process, but it's really a, a valuable place. And do I just want to sell on my laptop you yeah, know that's right. <laughs> and then even uh, you know hustle at speed hustle. connect connect at speed <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is the thing it's like um I guess in like adult adult you know I was mentioning about like um adult development models of consciousness you do see this arc and I see it in my own life and I also see it in people like Tim Ferriss mm. you know 
mm-hmm. where in the beginning it is about hustle it is about productivity it is about you, if you build something it takes work maxim yeah sure you know maximizing you know what we can achieve in a certain amount of time but once we've mastered that the growth is actually internal yes you know it's like all of the skills to kind of you know deal with the practical deal with the material they only take you so far and those are the things that we need to still honor because things still need to get done but the work is actually going in going deep and that's where the start of it is breathing connecting in with the body noticing how we feel and it's amazing how you know self development practices really help expand our capability to get things done in the world yeah expand our perspective in the world because they really grow our consciousness when they allow us to actually make choices about what we focus on in a world of noise to get kind of laser focused on well the the bit that is my piece to kind of do in the world is this one thing yeah and we can actually do those things more effectively in less time yeah so many high performers now there's so many of so much evidence right that they spend time on meditation on coaching therapies whatever it might be to enhance that wider picture that's right not just the actual task list that we think is the the be all and end all exactly we obviously i'm obviously have to get you on the podcast again and we have to go down the topics of death (laughs) apt but also go deeper onto high performance and biohacking because i think Mm. there's 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 a lot there before we close though and I asked my final question, uh, where can people find you? Can, can I just say people, because we've done some skills trades, haven't we? We have. We've, to support each other, because that's how I like maximizing some of this. I got stuff you want to learn. You've got stuff I want to learn. Yeah. So I've actually experienced coaching with Sam. And you are like, you have superpowers, like your use of metaphor, your use of like bringing a point home and connecting it into breath, body, so many things. I mean, you're an absolute ninja when it comes to uh, helping people kind of transform a way that just felt feels right into like a whole new sense of, I didn't even know there were new possibilities until I met you. And now I'm like, holy fuck, how do I channel this shit? <laughs> Where can people find you? Thank you. And I'm, I'm now remembering that um, one of the practices um, that I'm aware of is how to actually be able to receive compliments. Like <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. Thank just you. thank you. Well done. <laughs> um, so you can find me on um, LinkedIn as uh, Samantha Kiani. You can find me on Instagram perhaps a bit more interesting on Instagram at underscore inspired dot world. And you can also check me out on the net www.inspired.world. I love your uh, online presence and you've been offering some free meditations mm. in, in light of the crisis, which has been great. They've been a bit early for me sometimes, but yeah. super good. What's, and so finally, what's the big dream? What are you manifesting next? Mm. It's a good question, actually. Um, and it's something I'm I'm working on a little bit right now is getting a bit more clarity over that dream. Because again, you know, I, I do recognise that compared to other people, like for example, my lovely brother, you know, I do like to make things hard for myself. And yet still, yeah, I'm I'm a bit further on my journey than where I thought I might be by this stage. And so now I'm really thinking about what next. And I sort of have this dream. Yeah, I can tell you about it. It's it's kind of this dream of taking uh, people that I coach to incredible places and doing some real transformational personal development 
in places like, I don't know, the amazing redwood forests of Oregon. Oh, amazing. Or, you know, a mountain's hop somewhere here. Yeah. So, yeah. Nature. In nature, transformational experiences that really connect our human spirits to something bigger. I'm the first on the list. I can't wait. That sounds amazing. Um, Thank you so much, Sam, for being in my life and being a wonderful influence. It's been uh, so amazing. I can't wait for this podcast episode to be live. Uh, Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Petra. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through petrabelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.